We're going to be in the book of Hosea again, Hosea chapter number 11. And uh, this morning, uh, the, the message is actually a little bit different than what we've been looking at. And it's different primarily because we're going to see a side of God's character that we have not seen before uh, throughout the rest of the book. And it's going to show us some interesting things about who he is and what he is like. And really, it's going to answer a question for us of how in the world do we reconcile God's judgment with God's love? Because really, there is a thinking, especially in the world that we live today, that, you know, God is okay with sin or God is not that upset at sin. And the truth that we must understand about that is that God reveals himself, who he is, and what he's trying to do. So as followers of Jesus, we realize that God reveals his love to us through his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that is clearly evident throughout all of scripture. We see that. Uh, We see that in the Old Testament. God speaks some things and he says, this is what's going to happen. But the Old Testament is always pointing towards Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And it's no different here, especially in uh, Hosea chapter number 11. And so far as we've been looking through uh, the book of Hosea, we've seen some uh, side of God that he has been showing us his wrath. He's been showing us his judgment. He's been showing how upset he really is with his people, uh, the nation of Israel. And if you remember, God used uh, Hosea, a prophet, and he used that prophet to speak the message that God is giving this nation. And he did it in a very interesting way. He basically tells Hosea, he says, I want you to marry a prostitute because I want to show you the, I want you to show the, the, the nation, the, the relationship that you are basically showing that you have with me. The fact that you go after other gods, you don't care, you're committing spiritual adultery. And we know that God pronounces his judgment upon this nation And eventually that will befall them in 722 B.C. So Hosea is giving this this stirring message of just simply, hey, you've gone away from God, please return back to me. And here in Hosea chapter number 11, we see a different side of that because God is going to reveal his love towards uh, this nation. You know, one thing that we must keep in mind, and I think this is true in all of our lives, even my life included, is that God is always trying to win us back to himself. You say, well, Mike, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Yes, and I think that's great. But one thing that I I think all of us struggle with is that we get off that one degree. And when we get off one degree, we tend to drift. And God lovingly calls us back to himself. He uses circumstances. He uses other people. He uses his word. But he's trying to always get us back to himself. And that's what he's basically trying to do uh, to the people here in Hosea. 
So we're going to see this unfold here in Hosea chapter number 11. We're going to see how God is going to try to win his people back. And he's going to express his love. And he's going to show us his love. And he's going to reveal that love. Now one of the things that we've been doing as we've been looking through uh, this book of Hosea. Is we've been starting with the book of Hosea. And we end by pointing us to Jesus Christ. Well this morning we're going to kind of flip flop that. And we're going to start with Jesus And then we're going to look at the book of Hosea. So we're going to look at one of these verses. And I think the one verse that will help us understand this most about the revealing of God's love is going to be in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. So let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8 says this, But God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about that verse. I mean, that is a real important verse because, you know, there are some things in the world that we cannot understand. Um, For example, I can't understand quantum physics. I don't get it. Sorry. Um, There are many things that you don't grasp, that I don't grasp. And this is one of those verses in God's word that is kind of difficult and hard to wrap our minds about. I mean, yeah, many of us have memorized this verse. Maybe we've committed to memory work. Um, We've read it. It's probably underlined in your Bible several times. You've probably heard sermons on it. But when you think about the, the verse, but God commends his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved, he showcased, he exhibited his love towards us, even that while we were sinners is very unimaginable in our own lives. You see, when we get to heaven, and we see God as he is, and we have a perfect mind, I don't think we will ever be able to comprehend the vastness of Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Without being God, I don't think it's possible to understand the depths of God's grace that is revealed to us sinners. So the question of why always surfaces. Why would God choose to reveal his love through Jesus by sending him to die for people who don't deserve his grace? That don't deserve his mercy. Why? If you think about the sins that you have committed in your life and if you could... Pick out one sin of, of, of all the worst, of all the sins that you've committed. That one sin that, that just seems to be a little bit worse than all of them. And you were judged just based upon that one sin. Why would Jesus want to die for you? See, these are things that are hard for us to comprehend because we do not understand God's love. So that's where we find here in Hosea chapter number 11, we see a side of God's love that we normally don't see. And it's something that answers that question of why that God would choose to have mercy upon his people. So I hope that that answer leads us to encouragement and pure worship here this morning. So let's pray and then we'll jump here into the text here. Father, as we consider your word, I pray that you will speak to us. Help us to understand of who you are. God, I pray that you will reveal yourself to us through the pages of scripture. 
God, that you would speak to us personally. God, that you would direct us into pure worship, that you would direct us into a love that we should have for you, a love that we stand amazed at, at, at your love, and, and a love that we stand amazed at, at just your mercy that you have so freely given towards us. I pray that you speak to us this morning. I pray for those here this morning that are, are battling maybe hope, they're battling um, encouragement they're they're battling a lot of things a lot of turmoil things going on inside their heart god i pray that you put those things at rest i pray that you speak to them draw them to your presence and may you just help us this morning as we worship you as we read your word and we ask this in your name amen so i want to lay a few parameters here this morning as we look at uh, hosea chapter number 11 primarily hosea is speaking to the children of israel These are God's chosen people. The church is not Israel, okay? So when we look at this and we we understand that, we have to look at this within the context of knowing that as God is speaking his words to the people here, he is telling them of his grace, he's telling them of his mercy, and it's solely based upon having a relationship with God, Now, we translate that here as we live in the New Testament age. The only people that can experience God's mercy, the only people that can experience God's grace and His love are those that have a relationship with God, that know His Son, Jesus Christ. So that's how we relate the two. But primarily, He is speaking to the nation of Israel. So let's look at the verses here as we'll go through them. And we'll try to get an understanding of what God is saying. So the first thing I want you to notice is, number one, the remembrance of Israel. Look at Hosea chapter number 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. He says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. So when we look at here, the first thing we look at, we see how God remembers his people. He says there, when when Israel was a child, I loved him. Now throughout all the rest of Hosea, you know how God was speaking the relationship, how he he compared it to, to the children of Israel? Basically like a wife. But here in Hosea chapter number 11, he changes it and he says, I remember you. Like you were my own child. The tone in his voice has changed. The tone in the chapter has changed. Remember the, uh, remember the illustration there? The husband and wife are sitting at the kitchen table. And the wife has been running after other men. And, and the husband is pleading with his wife. And she's running out. Now the tone has changed. He's looking at Israel as a little child. And he says, I loved Ephraim. I loved Israel. God in this passage chose to identify himself 
as someone who loves his child and someone who calls his child out of Egypt. Remember back in the Old Testament? Uh, when we find uh, Israel, when they became a strong and mighty nation, they're there in, in Egypt and they're under slave bondage. Bible says here, especially in Hosea chapter number 11, it says, uh, I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. There they were in, uh, in Egypt and they were building treasure cities for Pharaoh. There they are, they're, they're hauling bricks, they got the taskmasters, it's hard, they're bearing the yoke. And God gently comes down there and he picks them up, he leads them like a child, he, he eases the yoke on them. God says, I led them with bands of kindness, with cords of kindness. God had made a covenant with these people. God had chosen to love them. God had chosen to bless them. He did all of that. So fast forward now here, Hosea chapter number 11. And we find this, look at verse number 2. He says, the more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. So even though God had called them and called them and called them, lovingly called them as he does a child, they continued to go after other Baals and continued to sacrifice to other gods. And so this is God saying, this is how I remember Israel. If you can remember, as we looked all the way back in Hosea chapter number 6, the more the prophets called out as God's continuing voice to his people, what did the people do? the more they kept going after other gods. Some thank you that was, wasn't it? Yeah, look at the tenderness in which God speaks to his people. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim how to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love, and I became to them as the one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. Evelyn is, I think, uh, almost a year and a half now. She's getting pretty good at walking and jibber-jabbing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, some of the things that we're teaching her, she's been learning as she's been observing and we sometimes give her food. We bend down to give her food. And we, we, we hold her up And when she starts to stumble. But you know, at a year and a half, when she gets to be three years old or four years old or five years old, she's not going to remember it was us holding her up when she was falling. Because in her mind, she's always had this. I don't remember my parents holding me up at a, at a year of age. But God says, as a a little child, I led Ephraim. I held them up. What what compassion that he has towards the nation of Israel. I want to show you here a second portion of this passage. Let's look here as we see in uh, Hosea chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. I want you to see, secondly of all, God's loving discipline that he has towards his people. Hosea 11, verses 5 through 7. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king. 
Because they have refused to return to me, the sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. So we see here, secondly, God's loving discipline that He has towards His people. Now these verses are very interesting because as you look at them, and it says here, especially verse 7, it says, My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. Now wait a minute. I thought that was the whole message that God was continually to say throughout the book of Hosea. If you would just call out to me, I'll return back to you. All, all I want you to do is just call out to me, and I will, I will love you again, I will restore you. Why does it seem here, though, that God says, even though if they call out to me, I will not even raise them up? Is God contradicting himself there? No, he's not. You see, when you look at these verses, these verses give translators a real difficult, hard time because there's so many pronouns that are being used. The thing that God is trying to get the people to understand is, as Hosea is speaking, is the people are so bent on worshiping other gods that it's not the God that they are calling out to, the Most High God. They are calling out to these other gods to save them. Remember all the Baals? And God says, they're not going to deliver you. They won't even help you, God says. The NASB, I think, has a better translation of these verses and captures the, the, more of the, the understanding of what he says. Listen to Hosea eleven seven in the NASB. He says, So my people are bent on turning from me, though they call them to the one on high. None at all exalts him. In other words, they won't even exalt God. They won't even turn to God, the one that can help them, because they are so bent on turning away from God. You see, the issue in this passage isn't the people of Israel are crying out to God, and God is not answering. It's the people will not cry out to God for help. And God says, I'm going to use loving discipline in your life to bring you back to myself. And look what he does here in verse number 5. Let's, let's look what he says. He says, they shall not return to the land of Egypt. That's love. What was in Egypt? Slavery. Hard bondage. Taskmasters. God says, in my love, I'm not going to allow you to return back to Egypt. But in my love, I'm going to correct you. And where am I going to send them? He says, Assyria will be their king. Remember, it was Assyria that they were looking towards for military power. And that's the exact nation that God uses to bring into them and carries them off into Assyria. And there they are, scattered, living there in Assyria. They're scattered. They're living amongst people who are heathens. They live there a really long time. And so God here is giving them loving discipline. How encouraging that is to know that God is not willing to send them back to Egypt, but he's willing to send them to Assyria. You know, I think so many times in my own life, how many times God has shown loving discipline in my life. Things that he's brought into my life that I looked at and I said, boy, God, this is really hard. 
But if God were to really, really put the screws down on my life, He would send me someplace else. He would do something else in my life. But in His loving discipline, He brought something else other in my life to help me. And how many times has He done that in your own life? God has shown His love towards you through discipline by bringing something else that you didn't think would be there to bring you back to Himself. So let's recap here quickly. God had chosen to relate to his people on total love and salvation. But his people refused to love him in return. So therefore, God has the right to punish his people. But God will choose to do something else. What is he going to do? And this is where this gets really interesting. Let's continue reading in our verses here. Listen to what he says in Hosea 11 verses 8 through 12. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. So we see this transition here now as God has every single right to punish his people and to punish them to the extreme. But he doesn't do that. He says, how can I give them up? How can I turn them over? How can I allow them to just go and, 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 and turn into destruction? You see, in these last few verses here, we see God's inner dialogue that he has with himself. As we read this, God doesn't debate with himself. He doesn't need to convince himself of what he needs to do. God has decided to communicate in this way so we can understand a side of God. An understanding of who he is. That God is full of compassion. That God is full of mercy. That God is full of love. And God chooses to display that and give that to us. How can God give them up? How can he hand them over? How can he make them void as he has done with other nations? How can he do that when when his compassion is growing inside of him? Take note of two cities that God makes mention of here. In this text, he says the cities of Adma and Zoboyim. Does anybody know what those cities are? One thing is you can do is when you're studying the Bible, that when you come across uh, names, you come across cities, just get out a little concordance and take a look and see where God talks about those particular cities. If you have a, uh, a reference Bible, sometimes it might have a little letter or a number to it, and you can start... Checking back and looking. Well, those two cities 
are cities that were surrounding the area of Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis. What happened to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? They were destroyed along with these cities, these surrounding neighborhood cities. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah got the full, I mean, here comes fire raining down from heaven because of their, their sinful acts that, that they were, were doing and taking part in. God destroyed them. They were an abomination. These cities were, out, were on the outskirts and they got burned up too. They got taken in part of God's wrath. God says, these towns, God says, I'm not going to make them like them. You see his compassion, you see his mercy as he's saying this. You see, God will discipline his people, but he will not bring his full wrath upon them. Because God has chosen to relate to his people in a merciful manner. Here's an interesting thing that we need to understand. The sovereign God, the one who rules and controls everything, has chosen to be merciful to his people. Why? Why? I mean, you just look throughout the whole book of Hosea, these people going after other gods, refusing to return to the Lord. Why would God choose to be merciful to his people? Would you be merciful to someone... Who stole $5 from you? Probably. Would you be merciful to someone who stole $1,000 from you? Would you be merciful to someone who murdered your spouse? Would you be merciful to someone who abused or assaulted your child? You see, we must understand that as the nature of the crime increases... The natural ability to have mercy decreases. Not so with God. It just seems the worse and worse that we are, the more His mercy and His compassion pour out. As it did even for this nation of Israel. So why would God be merciful to His people? We know that God is a jealous God. We know that God is a just God. We know that God is a wrathful God. We know that God exhibits anger. So why, if we are do all of those things, why would God show us mercy? In Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked to see God because he wanted to know him. And God says, I will show you my back. Because he says, you can't look at me face to face and live. But look at what God says in Exodus 33, verse 19. God says something very interesting. He says this, And he said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Mercy. You see, it's an interesting verse because God reveals who his personal name is. God doesn't just say God, G-O-D. He doesn't just say Lord, capital L, lowercase o-r-d. He uses capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, Yahweh, the Lord. That's his name. 
And Yahweh is merciful to those whom he decides he wants to be merciful to. In Israel's instance here in Hosea, God could say that he would be merciful. Why? Well, because he is Yahweh. And it is in his sovereign nature, it's in his ruling right to say, I'm going to have mercy on who I want to have mercy on. I'm going to show compassion on who I want to show compassion on. Nobody can sit there and say, well, God, you're not being fair. Because he's God. He can do whatever he wants. And in this case, he wants to show mercy and compassion on those people. Paul reflected on this verse in the New Testament. Look what he says here in Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. Paul says, For when he says to Moses, he's referencing back to Exodus. He says, For when he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. You see, we have to understand that God wants to do that. Why would God choose to enter into a covenant with Abraham? Why did he choose to bring his people out of slavery? Why will he not destroy Israel for their sin? Why does he stir up his compassion? Because for those who are God's, He has chosen to relate to us as a merciful Savior. So this brings me to my last point. So I want you to notice here, thirdly, God's mercy revealed. Because you'll see this in this passage. God's saying, this nation deserves to be punished. But because of his mercy, he's so stirred inside of his own heart, he's not willing to give them over to be completely destroyed. He just wants to discipline them and bring them back to himself. So here in Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1, we started with these words. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And then we see here in Hosea chapter 11, verse number 10. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They say, how in the world does that show us of God's mercy revealed? Well, remember what God said in Hosea eleven eight: How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. You see in the past few chapters. We've been looking here in Hosea. We have seen God calling out to Israel. To do things. Return. Come back. Return to me. Call out to me. Put away your idols. Come after me. Come after me. Things which Israel needs to do, yes. But yet in this chapter, there is not one command given to Israel. Instead, God chooses to give statements about himself. That he's merciful. That he's full of compassion. 
that he is tender, that he wants to lead them like a child, that he's the one that bent over and fed them. He's the one that led them by the hand. He's the one that picked them up. He's the one that eased the yoke of bondage off of them. This is God showing who he is. And this is him revealing himself to this nation. You see, Israel's greatest hope is God himself. And you know what our greatest hope is? God himself. And God chooses to reveal himself to us. He does that through through the pages of scripture. He does that through circumstances. He does that through other people. God chooses to reveal himself to us. Why? Because he wants us to see how much we really do need him. So what does Hosea's message have to do with us? Well, as we looked here in Hosea 11.1, 1, the beginning of the message, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And the end of the chapter ends with these words. He says about the lion. He says in verse number 10, They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. A lion's roar, they say, can be heard for up to five miles away. How many of you have ever been to the Padawata Museum? Okay, a few of you. If you haven't gone, you're missing out. For those of you that have gone, you know you're not really missing much. <laughs> but anyways, they have these lions there. And sometimes when you're walking around the zoo, you can start hearing them, you know, making their noises. And right away, when... when for some reason, I don't know what it is, the lion's roaring, you see everybody, they go, oh, the lion's roaring! You know, and they just start to migrate right over there because they want to see this lion roaring. Well, here in this chapter, it says that God will roar like a lion when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. Now, these two statements about the fact that Israel was called out of Egypt like a son, And the fact that God will roar like a lion. These should not be lost to us as believers living in the New Testament age. You see, in Matthew chapter number 2, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus flee to Egypt. Because Herod is going to kill all the Jewish babies. And they're warned by God in a dream to go to Egypt. And he fears that Jesus will overthrow him as a king. This Herod is, is so distraught about this. So he has all these babies murdered. But look at what Matthew says about Joseph's flight to Egypt. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, it says, And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I will call my son. Remember, this is God revealing himself. And just as, just as Israel was called out of Egypt, out of their bondage, here is Jesus coming out of Egypt. God says, I will call my son directly out of Egypt. He's going to be the one that is going to ease your bondage. He's going to be the one that's going to show my compassion, my mercy, my tenderness, my grace towards you. And as we read there in Hosea 11:10, they shall go after the Lord and he will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. 
In Revelation chapter 5, verse number 5, we find these words. We find that all the elders are there in the throne room of God. And they're weeping. They're crying. Because nobody is fit to open up this seal. And we find here, one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. You see, God has chosen to reveal himself, to reveal his love towards us through his son, Jesus Christ. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with what God is saying here in these chapters about the fact that he reveals his love towards us? What is our confidence before a holy God? Where is your joy in life as believers in Jesus? You see, our joy is that through Christ, we are able to relate to God as a merciful Savior and live before Him all the days of our lives. I just got in touch with a a person, a girl that I went to high school with, and I had not talked with her, seen her, nothing like that for probably the past Uh, It was probably since 2001. And this was a person that I did drugs with. We hung out a lot and stuff like that. And after I got saved, one of the prayers that I asked the Lord was, Lord, would you please allow me to share my testimony with those that I used to hang out with and and do crazy stuff with? Well, over the years, God had chosen to do that. Lo and behold, this person contacts me on Facebook one day. And I start talking with the person. And she was explaining to me, she's like, oh, I don't know what happened to you. And, you know, but, and I said, boy, you know, a lot happened. I said, I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. My life has changed. She says, what do you do now? I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, what? That's so weird. <laughs> and as I'm talking with her, I asked her a little bit about her life, what she was doing. And... Um, She's, in fact, from all of the uh, drugs and stuff that she had been taking through life, she now has uh, PTSD because it's, it's messed with her mind so much. And I was trying to witness to her and just talking with her. And I said, you know, one of the things that really helped me was renewing my mind. And she said, what, what does that mean? And I said, okay, now I just want to warn you. I said, I'm going to give you a lot of Bible stuff here. If you're cool with that. She's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. So I started talking with her about the Lord and telling her about Christ. And one of the things that she could not grasp, she could not understand, is that she had to do these things in order for God to like her. And I said, no, you got it wrong. I said, we don't do these things in order to make God like us. I said, God loves you. God has compassion on you and he has mercy on you. He wants to show you his love. And he did that by displaying his son, Jesus Christ. About then, that's kind of where the conversation ended because she really didn't want to hear about Christ. And see, we have a Savior. We have Jesus Christ who has, shown to re- who has, who has decided to show himself and revealed himself as a merciful Savior towards us. So you, me, in our lives that we live... We have a Savior that shows compassion on us. 
You're going through a difficult time at work. Guess what? You have a Savior that shows compassion on you. If he was not even willing to destroy the nation of Israel, and as we read in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, but God showed his love towards us in that while we were a sinner, Christ died for us. We have the greatest encouragement, the greatest joy to know that we can continue on through life knowing that we have Christ who has compassion on us as believers. Let's pray together. Thank you.